Dashboard Effect podcast. I'm Rick Thompson, and today I have with me again Jenny Swenson, who's our director of the PMO. And today we're going to continue our PM series that we started last week with Anne, um, Anne Eisenach. And so today we're going to be talking about resource planning, which is sort of part of um, scoping, but also comes after scoping. How's it going, That's Jenny? Great. Pretty good. How are you, Brick? I'm good. Thanks. Okay. So let's talk about resource planning. Where does resource planning come into the picture? Yeah, so resource planning in our organization actually comes in, in at several points uh, through a project's life cycle and even in the sales life cycle. It really starts in the scoping process, which Ann talked about a lot last week. Yeah. And then um, it also continues throughout executing. Okay, so when you're doing scoping, um, you're starting your your resource planning, but then as you're executing, you still have to be sort of reevaluating as you go. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So let's talk through those. Um, I think first, why why you now? What are the goals of resource planning? Yeah, the goals are many. Um, primarily, the goal of resource planning is really to allow us to maximize profitability by way of ensuring we have the right resources on the right type of work, um, and also that we're going to be able to deliver on time for our clients. Okay, so productivity, delivery on time, and then obviously it has to work for us mm -hmm. just uh, ec economically, you know, right. commercially, mm -hmm. uh, making a profit. So you sort of have three constraints there that you have to balance all that. Sure. And it seems like if you do a good job on productivity and uh, uh, maximizing utilization and so on, that you should get to hopefully the other two sort of fall out of that. Yeah, exactly. You do a good job with that. Okay, so Anne was talking about scoping. Um, we talked about sort of the um, uh, conceptual scoping and then the tactical scoping. Um, where does the resource planning come into that? Yeah. So in the scoping activity, we're actually gathering really important inputs to the resource planning activity. Um, first, we really need to understand what type of work needs to be done. And then in that discussion, we're also figuring out skill to scope. Who are the appropriate folks to complete this type of work? Um, so that's really in our pre-sales process. We're planning out our projects. We're really assessing those types of things in order to be able to do resource planning effectively. Okay. And when you're thinking about who, um, you're, you're thinking about, I'm sure, a, a number of factors. First of all, who's available, mm -hmm. who's not going to be on vacation during the, the time period, the expected time period of the project, who has the technical skills mm -hmm. that you need for this project, um, who can work at the pace that you need in this type of area, those types of things. Did, did I miss anything there? Exactly. Yeah. So just as you said, really making sure it's the right resource. So we have uh, various levels of skills within our organization just based on tenure and also background um, and also disciplines. We have data architects. We have visualization engineers. We have folks who are very skilled at design and strategic thinking for our clients. Um, and then we have very skilled um, folks who write DACs to support our reporting and such. So we pay close attention to those types of skills when we're looking at assigning work to our resources. We also look at who has the relationship with the client. We work with our clients. We've said this before, uh, sometimes for many years at a time. We really like to keep continuity with the project team wherever possible. Sure. So yeah. we're thinking about that. Again, like you noted, out of office, our folks do take vacation, fortunately, for them. So we pay attention to that. We look at where they're currently allocated and how much on what type of project. Um, and then we're also thinking about our larger portfolio and what are the priorities within that? What do we want to what what do we need to accomplish first, second and third, um, things like that? 
yeah, what projects might be coming down the line right. and so on. I would imagine the relationship and history with the client is not just that the client knows them and they know the client, so they get along um, and know each other, but also just bringing in that context allows you to get a lot of efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. It's the relationship. It's the context of the business, the business goals, the larger you know strategic objective of, of the organization, the solution, all of that. Yeah. So... When you're doing this in the sort of pre-SOW period, um, you've got a bunch of potential projects that might be happening on potential timelines. Mm-hmm. How do you consider that? Are you are you considering, okay, I think that one's going to happen in this time period, so we won't plan there? Or mm-hmm. how, how can you do that? Since they're not signed, you don't know which one is going to happen when. Yeah, that's been a big puzzle for us. Um, how we've solved it most recently is really primarily on a first come for a serve basis. So we, during scoping, we're really looking at who could potentially do this project work. But as we get closer to the proposal going out in front of the client, we have a more intentional discussion about what's currently out in terms of SOW, how have the project team's been allocated to that work, where are the, where are the slots that can be filled. Um, and so we do some tentative assignments. Occasionally, we're able to work with the client to have more of a generalized project start that gives us a little bit more flexibility in how we assign resources. So again, we can keep it very general. Okay. Um, so we sort of approach it in two ways that way. And I'm sure you've had situations where you had a, you had the puzzle solved. You had it perfectly laid out, and then a project that you thought was going to start next Monday gets mm-hmm. pushed for two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to redo the whole puzzle. Exactly. Yeah, we we shift things around a lot. Fortunately, our teams are really flexible, <laughs> so um, they understand that our our business changes very fast, and we're constantly responding to deals coming in the door and new deals. Um, existing clients asking for new work, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm just, my mind is kind of reeling thinking about solving that. <laughs> yeah. <today. laughs> We've tried a lot of different things. We're still, I think we're still really trying to figuring out, figure out exactly the right thing, but How we've gotten a lot perfectly. closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you have various tools you use, but in the end, it sort of comes down to, okay, I, I need to apply my logical thinking brain to this and mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah, we have a lot of discussions with the team too, just figuring out who can take what when. Um, we've we've tried to put data to it, you know, and of course, being a reporting organization, you know, we want everything to shape up in a Power BI report, and we've tried that. Um, and that does help give us some visibility, but ultimately just comes down to the engineers helping us understand where they can, yeah. uh, what gaps they have to fill. From the outside, it seems like it just works. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a lot harder than that. I feel like there's been some luck in there somehow. I'm waiting for it to run out, but uh, somehow it does sometimes just work. Okay. So what else in the pre, pre-SOW period? Anything that we didn't cover to consider about resource planning? I think we covered most of, yeah, what we, what we do during that time. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically it's looking at what projects we have in flight, what potential projects we have coming, who's the right fit for specific projects, mm-hmm. who's going to be in the office, who knows the client, who has the right skill set for this particular <laughs> job. Sounds easy. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then once the deal is signed mm-hmm. and you start executing, um, what are your considerations then? I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm guessing that surprises come up. Yeah, that's right. So... I was thinking this through, and really, it's that more tactical, week-over-week resource planning um, where the productivity really comes in 
to, I guess it really comes to fruition. Um, so we meet with our team several times a week and do intentional planning two weeks at a time. Okay. So during scoping, we're really looking at a high-level timeline. We're, we're planning in terms of weeks. Once we get into executing, we're really planning in terms of days and sometimes even hours. Okay, So it's in that activity that we're able to identify efficiencies within a week where we can potentially leverage team members on new project work or potentially to help in a project that maybe needs a little bit of a boost. Um, But we do go through that exercise multiple times um, a week on all of our projects. And I know you're meeting with each of the client's stakeholders once a week Mm -hmm. for project status updates, and I'm guessing that becomes the data that helps to feed these internal planning sessions where you now consider the whole project portfolio and figure out if there's any adjustments you need to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So what's a what's an adjustment that might come up? There what's are, an example? Yeah. Well, a very good example is really just, I mean, ultimately in a technical project, there are so many unknowns. We do a good bit of design and discovery prior to engaging in development work, but we more often than not uncover things that we did not see coming. Okay. So maybe maybe the client, as we were talking to them in the pre-SOW phase, mm-hmm. didn't realize, oh, there actually is a, another couple of databases that feed into this, and, and mm-hmm. we didn't discover that. And yeah. so then we find that out when we're executing. Exactly. Um, I can think of an example where we did receive incomplete information um, prior to starting a project. We felt like we had everything that we needed. And as we got through the project, we uncovered that there were going to be additional data sources needed. Yeah. Fortunately, we were able to work with the client and reset the scope to accommodate those. But even still, we thought we had everything we got in again. And more was uncovered. And so it was in that case that we were able to just leverage some excess capacity okay. on the rest of the team in order to just get that project back on track. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, if you end up with that, um, I guess it's possible you're sort of resetting the project with the client mm-hmm. and saying, hey, this is a larger project than we thought. But if we've got the excess capacity, it's a couple of days of let's work hard and get it back mm-hmm. sort of within the bounds, then we're going to do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's occasional cases where we have to look at the whole portfolio and see where we could potentially tolerate a little bit of a delay or just maybe being a little bit lighter touch on the work for that so that we can swarm an issue on another project that needs yeah. some help. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing also you may end up in situations where there's a technical challenge that you didn't expect. So there wasn't really a scope situation, but you get in and it's just more complicated than the current team that's assigned or maybe a team member that's assigned um, has dealt with before. And you may have another team member that's, well, not on the team, but another Mm -hmm. resource that could solve it. And you've got to figure out then, all right, how do we schedule that in and still handle their other responsibilities? Exactly. Yeah. We see that quite a lot, actually. (laughs) So I'm sure knowing you, you're working towards how do we automate this as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm guessing that you do have some tools already to help that. And it's not really automation, but probably spreadsheets and Mm -hmm. Microsoft DevOps and various things. Do you think you can ever get this to a point where it's just dialed in and you can get a report and you can see like, okay, I need this type of resource. Let me run the report. There it is. (laughs) That's my dream. Um, One of the benefits of transitioning to a fixed model was that we felt like we didn't have to be so granular in our planning and in our you know capacity and utilization monitoring. Uh, we had a little more wiggle room in that just based on our our model. 
The fixed price model. Fixed price model. Fixed price and a set duration, set mm-hmm. scope. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you need to work 12-hour days to get it done, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That type of, hopefully not. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully not. But in our past, we had planned out our entire project ahead of time, down to the hour. We could see six weeks in advance, theoretically, where you know the effort might be landing. We've moved away from that. So we have a little less visibility into where the effort is going to be. Um, by person and by project, we do leverage an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> for our strategic resource planning, where we're just really mapping out at a very high level, similar to what Anne described for our initial scoping effort, where the effort's going to be spent on a project and with which resource. Yeah. And then we leverage, once we get into our more weekly discussions, we leverage DevOps. And um, there is some a lightweight capacity tool in there that we can used to flag potential issues with work and, and capacity. Okay. How much do you involve the engineers in that planning? Are they at the table for that, or do you sort of do the planning and then mm-hmm. go and, and meet with them to problem solve? So as far as the resource planning, we do leverage some members of the team in order to make sure we've got the right skill sets matched to the work. Okay. Uh, primarily our lead, our delivery leadership staff sure. helps us with that. Yeah. Um, and then we do also just lean on the resources on a project to help us understand if they need assistance from other types of resources or some other skill set that we need to bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what other challenges around that execution piece? I think that probably the biggest challenge is that our projects move very quickly. We move very fast. We hear that from our clients all the time. Yeah, It can be really hard to be proactive. Um, we may finish a task or a large milestone a few days early, um, and we have a resource that's available for two days before they start on their next major effort. Yeah, It can be difficult to figure out where they can potentially assist on another project within the portfolio to help another team out. Um, the yeah. spin-up time occasionally doesn't make sense. Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest challenge is really figuring out how well to leverage or how do we leverage those efficiencies in yeah. a way that makes sense. And so when when you get a little piece of extra capacity, mm-hmm. it can be hard to actually use that because there's some amount of time to spin up. Yep. And then um, they need to be on it a long enough time for it to be worth doing that. Exactly. And so you can end up with people who are sort of on the bench waiting for the next project. Yep. How do you how do you juggle that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what we're grappling with most, at least what I'm grappling with the most at this point, is what's the right level of granularity to be managing our our upcoming capacity at a at a point there's diminishing returns. You yeah. know, at one point we were down to the you know tenth of an hour figuring out how do we fill every you know every six yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, and so we're just trying to figure out what is that right level that ensures that we're going to maximize our profits. We're going to have the right folks executing. We definitely want to be sure we're not burning our, our people out. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah. we're you know using them to their fullest potential. Yeah, yeah, and delivering high quality on time, uh, obviously mm-hmm. within all of that. Right. Okay. All right. Well, what other thoughts do you have on this? I think we covered a lot of, you know, what I was hoping to cover today, just understanding the process, talking a little bit through the tools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think as you continue to develop this, we should revisit it. Like mm-hmm. if you solve it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've got the master uh, 
Excel sheet and mm-hmm. DevOps and Power BI combination. Mm-hmm. Um, let's come back to it as, as you keep learning about it. I'd love to. Yeah. I, I, again, from the outside, you make it look easy. So whatever you're doing is working, but uh, it sounds like it's a, a lot of uh, brain calories to get that done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. 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 We're looking forward to continuing to figure out how to how to solve this puzzle. Okay. Well, I appreciate you stopping by. This is yeah. great. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Thanks.